So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! Welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast. Uh, your ears don't deceive you. We are today hostless, hopefully not hopeless. It's Toby and Leo, no Archie. For the first time in over 100 episodes, three years of podcasting, he has let us loose on our own and we, we aim to please, we aim not to fail. We are here today to cover the Wallabies' first match in this uh, Wallabies France tour uh, series. So, uh, big game there. Obviously, Wallabies successful. Uh, I've had a few other international games over the weekend. Uh, we'll do a quick recap of those before we launch into the preview, which comes with little time to lose. Uh, we've got a game on this Tuesday night, so hopefully you'll be listening to this with at least 24 hours uh, before to ponder what may happen in this in this follow-up match. But, Toby, big game. Great to see some Wallabies action. Uh, got the result in the end, but very tight. Only two points in it, and it all came from that penalty at the end. Yeah, and a huge occasion for the Wallabies. I think I'd given up hope a little bit in that last line out there, and I just thought we'd blown it, you know, gone down in this first game that was so important, and then Tate McDermott out of nowhere comes through to gather that that loose ball. And mate, that was just such a roller coaster there at the end. It was such a good way to finish the game, but there's a lot of disappointment, I think, around some elements of that performance. Look, we'll be better for the run, but but we didn't need to do that to ourselves. Like we're a lot better team than this French team, and we should be. But it's just a we've got to get out on the paddock and actually execute. You are absolutely right. In fact, if you were to go and review the stats from this game, you would say the Wallabies were comprehensively the better team. Uh, massive overweight in possession, spent seventy five percent of the game in the French half. Um, yeah, pretty much every metric except maybe missed tackles leans to the Wallabies. They they didn't concede a lot of penalties. They were very disciplined. Uh, the set piece was excellent for most of the game. Um, they just seemed to make a number of unforced errors at awkward times and really just lost a lot of momentum from that. Didn't didn't take the scoring opportunities with them there. Created a lot of opportunities. Didn't finish. So I guess that's that will be the focus moving forward. Uh, is there players? Players you probably highlight as being pivotal in this game. You already mentioned Tate. I think that was just pure desperation running down the sideline, trying to probably cover a, a kick into touch or whatever way they were going to clear the ball and obviously put himself in a good spot in the end. Uh, other players we noticed were Marika Korobiti and Hunter Paisami uh, taking this game by the scruff at different points and just forcing the team forward. Uh, did you? What did you see from them that you liked? Yeah, I just thought Marika's had his best game all year. Um, and we know that he's had a bit of a scoring drought with the Rebels. Um, he's heading overseas. So this is an important season for him in, in, in the context of the Wallabies to finish on a good note. And he actually missed the, the birth of his third son, I think, to actually play this game. So there was a lot on the line for him. He didn't let us down. I thought he was one of the best on the park, involved in everything. Just that tenacity you love from him. Um, and not making mistakes, not overplaying it, just 
in everything, like triple pick and goes, like just amazing stuff from him. So I think he was one of the best, Paisami, again, really taking control of the game, I think, in parts where it needed to be taken control of, um, which really helped Noah. And I think Matsumura needs to really step up for this second game. He's been retained there at 12. But I think Hunter, although maybe kicked on one or two um, occasions more than he should have, I think he's he's growing into this role more and more. Um, you can tell that he's feeling more confident and, and more stable in, in that position. And whether he's at 12 or 13, I don't think he's going to let you down. So I was very happy with him. Um, other guys I'd like to highlight, I think, you know, off the bench, Taniello was amazing. There's no doubting that. And he's been, we'll talk about it in a second, but he's been rewarded coming into the starting side for this next game. Also, Angus Bell, I think, was excellent in his small cameo. Darcy Swain, again, putting pressure on those lineouts. A lot of work he got through in the time he was on the paddock. Um, but, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of guys that really disappointed. I think Tamua was a bit invisible. Um, I think Valentini needs to step up his performances. Again, he's he's not kind of playing with that aggression and that real, I don't know, the, the, those real decisive carries that he brings for the Brumbies. I think he can show that for the Wallabies. He just hasn't done it yet. Yeah, that's a feature that I don't think we got out of a lot of our runners in this game. We didn't get a lot of um, sort of coming from depth, hitting the ball with pace. We, we got back to being sort of a few steps behind the halfback and, and just kind of tiptoeing onto it, not carrying some momentum into contact, something that Valentini had really picked up this Super Rugby season just passed. It's what got us talking and, and really supportive of him making this leap into the, into the test side starting without competition. He, he felt like the obvious pick at six. He hasn't brought that form, that physicality, unfortunately, throughout this game. So definitely more he can do there. We've seen it. Uh, we want to see it at an international level now. Tamua, to me, I suppose, I mean, I didn't think he was playing particularly well at the Rebels and he just kind of faded into the background in this game, made some errors, was out of position, missed some tackles. Um, just, yeah, wasn't the supportive, mature person in the back line that I presume he was selected to be, right? He's the... He's the steady set of experienced hands, got more caps than anyone in that back line. Um, he's, I think he's up to about 52 or 56 55. caps or something now. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's right on the verge of that 60 cap um, point in his career where he can go away and potentially still be selected. And that's probably going to be valuable, but it's only going to come if he can continue to be selected. And another performance like this, um, I think we'll be looking for, for new blood. Uh, Come come time in the third third test of the series, but anyway, getting too far ahead of myself. Um, the French in this game, they they were again they were they were quite good. Uh, we know this isn't a full strength French side. Uh, they certainly had this game in the bag if they hadn't squandered the and spoiled the line out there at the end. Their inside centre, uh, I thought, was particularly good. He he was dominant in the contact. He was dominant when they were um, trying to turn the ball over in the rucks, um, just was a fiend to the Australians. That's uh, Jonathan Dante. So he was constantly turning the ball over. He was looking to rip it in contact. He was looking to pilfer. Um, and I think that's what upset the Wallabies at times. They weren't really strong enough carrying the ball to withstand the French really attacking the ball. Uh, and that's where some of the lost balls and some of the knock-ons in contact came about. They They've been targeted like that uh, by a few different teams in the last 12 months, so something they definitely have to work on. Yeah, and I think Villiers, look, the winger that snapped those two tries up, I think was was quite good. Um, 
this French team, we don't know a whole lot about it as Southern Hemisphere fans, but I think all things considered, coming out of quarantine as they did, having the preparation, the limited preparation coming off that top 14 season, you know, they'd be pretty wrapped, I think, to actually be in the game like they did, but it must have been absolutely heartbreaking to lose it in that fashion. You know, that would that changes the whole, um, you know, dynamic of the series. Suddenly they'd be going into game two looking to really catch an upset and win the whole series, and now it's changed. Look, it's just bounced the ball sometimes, and I think in, in the normal context of this French team, they would have cleared that ball no problem. And it would have been the end of the game. Just so happens, you know, pressure does funny things to people, um, which we're grateful for. But look, this French team will be better for the run out again. I think there's no doubting that. Um, but yeah, I think for an inexperienced team, they create they created a lot of disruption at the breakdown. That was probably the most notable thing. Um, but yeah, there's there's obviously not a lot of cohesion within that team as a 15 yet, which will come, of course. Uh, yeah, I think disruption and chaos was was part of the game. They were, they were just trying to spoil. They were quite uh, willing to infringe at times. I think they definitely gauged uh, Pickerel's willingness to blow the whistle and lift a card pretty well because it felt like they they gave away about 14 or 15 penalties to the Wallabies six. Uh, they were definitely pushing the ref to to make the calls and, and taking what advantage they could in contact. Um, so... That's something which is really important for a, for a mature team, for some of the leaders in each team. They need to recognise who's on the whistle, how they're blowing that whistle, and whether there's a little bit more edge that you can get out of them rather than being a bit too conservative and maybe not showing your dark side, as uh, Rennie, Rennie coined for us. Really need to look at ways to um, yeah, take advantage when it's there. And, and Pickerel certainly gave them a lot of rope um, I expected a card at, uh, early in the game and, and we didn't really see it. So uh, that, that was smart by the French. Hopefully that's something they keep doing because I would imagine any other ref will be a bit more harsh on them. And if they can't turn that aspect of their game off, it's going to cause a big problem. Whereas for me, the Wallabies were much more a team of uh, unforced errors, uh, maybe loose carries into contact. And those are things I think we can work on to next week. So that's really good. Hopefully, it leads to an improvement. Uh, Michael Hooper's try, interesting one. For those of you who watched, we we saw Hooper uh, there at the back of the ruck after a few grinding forward phases, sort of maybe parallel side to side with the ball. Stepped all, well to my eyes, stepped stepped in front as he picked the ball up, turned his backside to the French line, and put the ball down pretty much between his own legs. So almost shepherded the ball, protected the ball using his own body. Um, straight off the back of the ruck as a bit of a pick and go, but very unorthodox. Ref gave it straight away. Lulicio kicked it as soon as he could and there were no further questions. But uh, Toby, what did you think of this? Is this uh, a legal move that we will see again? Yeah, look, I think the the shepherding part is fine. I think it's just where are his feet at when he picks up that ball? Because if they're in front of the last feet of the ruck, technically he's offside and shouldn't be picking that up. It was done in a fashion that, you know, it happened quickly. It happened abruptly in the sense that you didn't expect him to kind of motion it in that way. And then I think the referee from where he was standing, it looked fine. And it's not something you see very often. So that can either signal, well, let's check this. Or, you know, the way he got it down so cleanly, I think just made them think, oh, that's clever. 
but I actually technically I think it was offside. Um, uh, yeah, so I think we got away with one there as well. Um, again, you got to take these things as you can get them. There's always going to be little moments in games like this where it's it's kind of a borderline call, and maybe the French. It didn't seem like the French were protesting it either. So that no, that could have been another right. feature. Commentary: the French, uh, the assistant refs, the TMO. No one really spoke up. So uh, interesting. It it did happen very quickly, and I think you're right, dead on that the the cleanliness. He, he got the ball straight down. It was clearly on the line. It was visible from all angles. I think most of our officiating team were probably just focused on being able to see it cross the line, get down, not knocked on. And we're happy with that. And uh, the, the subtle technicalities of was he slightly offside uh, at the time he picked it up. It, it was a very flowing movement. Like he took a number of steps. He had the ball in his hands, had it left the ground. Was he technically offside? Uh, yeah. I think it was a near thing. I think you could probably analyze it to death and we don't really want them to do that. Um, so maybe that was our, opportunity of, of taking advantage of a ref who wasn't really uh, looking to blow the whistle, wasn't looking to be too harsh, wanted the game to keep flowing. And we just took our advantage and, and ran away with seven, which was pretty handy in the scheme of things. Uh, the other the other thing I thought we should quickly go through, and, and you already mentioned a couple of them, the debutants for this game. So three of our four potential debutants got on the field. Uh, we saw Callaway on. You already mentioned Darcy Swain. Iki Tao didn't get on. Iki Tao didn't get on. That's um, right. And I, I can understand that because I think it was a very delicately poised match and you think, okay, keep your experience out there because Tamil would have been the guy likely to come off in that context, shift Paisami and Iki Tao straight to 13. I think you'll probably see that in the second game. I just think the way the game was playing out, Rennie didn't want to lose more experience from that starting lineup given how fresh our bench was. Um Lachlan Lonigan also coming on a hooker. Had, I think, one errant throw, but apart from that, really got himself into the game well. There's a number of guys I can really compliment here. I think overall, the Wallabies, you know, individually, there were a lot of good things. I think that first half just really took the shine off it for me, particularly the first 25 minutes or so. After BPA's try, we looked a lot better um, going into halftime, but we looked lost in that first period of the first half. Um, so that was disappointing. Yeah, and, and we did also mention um, that we didn't think Jake's performance was his usual dynamic self. He looked hampered. He looked maybe sort of 70% of his normal uh, aggressiveness taking the ball at the base of the ruck. Definitely seems to be either a little bit off his match fitness or his, his sort of match pace timing of things that whether he's still carrying an injury or whether he's just, just out of practice. Uh, hopefully since he's been selected again this week, that will improve and, and we'll see something more from him driving this game forward. So I think we picked up a lot of energy when McDermott came on. Yeah, and it's a different type of game that McDermott brings, obviously. Uh, Jake was really, I think his selection was criticised quite widely in the public. I could see exactly why Rennie did that and he signalled that last year um, with his faith in Jake. But match fitness is a big thing. Like you say, timing just... You know, knowing how to get your forwards around the park and timing passes and just there's a lot to think about as a halfback. It's a very important role. You know, some good things from him. I saw him on the back of BPA when he went over for that mauling try. So he's not scared of getting into the, you know, the thicker things and putting his body on the line, which I think is good because he's one of the, you know, he's a bigger halfback in general. And I think we'd get to see some of his try scoring ability 
um, from a Wallabies perspective. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes some snipes this week, if he's feeling a bit more confident. But obviously he just needed that, that game time. And I think the fact they've stuck with him, um, I think you'll see dividends paid this week. And gives us the opportunity to build a bit more of a combination, which through that back line, our 9, 10, 12, 13, we're talking about four guys from four different super rugby sides. So there's essentially no pre-existing combinations there uh, of any significance compared to a lot of the opposition we're going to face. Seeing um, Noah Lelisiu play well, if not if not a standout, I, I don't recall ever being annoyed or disappointed or seeing him drop balls or miss kick um, under pressure. So he did quite a good job in my mind, um, even though he probably didn't have a lot of support around him, some slow ball from the scrum base or ruck base and, and not a whole lot from Matt Tamura outside him. Um, will definitely grow into this role. And I do look forward to seeing Paisami there at um, 12. I, I really think he has shown the capability of stepping in and taking a bit more of a, a lead in these games at super level and now at test level. So more reds the better in my mind, as you know. Yeah, and I mean, Paisami can't say really enough good things about him. His progression has been rapid over these last 12 months. I think James O'Connor's injury here is particularly relevant um, for Noah because look, Noah's probably not quite ready to be the full-time Wallabies fly half. I think James O'Connor has shown all the things that you want from a fly half um, for the Reds. And, you know, I think we'll see it obviously later in the year for the Wallabies. But, you know, his threat with ball in hand is more significant than Noah. He's a bigger body. Um, you know, he's used to playing in the centre, so his footwork's excellent in that regard too. Take the ball to the line. And he's just probably a little bit more confident in a creative sense, willing to try things. Um, Noah's probably still getting a feel for the game. That will come. Uh, he's a very young man and I think we need to give him time. But I think for three tests in or, or whatever it is for him now, maybe two tests um, in terms of cap caps, but starting start his second start ever, under pressure from these French forwards, really coming at him hard. That's why I think Tamoa really needs to step up. If they do it again... And I don't see Tamur going into first receiver, alleviating some of that pressure on Noah. I'm going to be really disappointed. Fair enough. Uh, all right. I think we've done enough there. We might move on. We'll just briefly touch on some of the other international results that have occurred since this Wallabies game through the weekend. All Blacks 57 versus Fiji 23. That was quite an interesting game. Um, again, seeing seeing the, the way the Fijians played, they really kept in touch with the All Blacks for the probably the first 60 minutes or something in this game. They were, they were good. And, and I couldn't help but find myself seeing the way they played and how they were um, countering a lot of the All Blacks uh, attacks and defence and being very strong in defence and wondering if the Wallabies would have been able to do the same. I think that was actually a pretty good performance by Fiji and, and they're definitely going to be a threat uh, when the Wallabies face them and they're at full strength. Uh, we've had Samoa versus Tonga as well. So the Samoans went... Went and took it to Tonga, forty-two to thirteen. Another another solid loss for the Tongans. Um, more to do there, I guess. Still in a similar situation to the previous week. The interesting result probably is Argentina and Wales. So playing in Wales, twenty all draw at Principality. So that says a lot for again for the Argentinians who have been a little bit um, distressed by COVID and and haven't had uh, consistent seasons and have had a lot of change. Um, to be able to take it to Wales, who, yes, they're depleted by the Lions squad, having taken most of their players. Um, but Wales Wales have some depth, so 
that's that's a pretty good effort out of the Argentines, I would have thought. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, anytime you play in Cardiff, it's going to be a tough atmosphere to contend with. And, you know, the fact that the Jaguares have dropped out of Super Rugby, my fear was that that would have an impact on the Argentinian team. And maybe that's something that will come later on. But having Argentina in the rugby championship, we want to see them competitive. We want to see them strong. Um, and it's obvious that they are still got a fair bit of class about them. But yeah, it's just it's an interesting time in international rugby in these first one or two games, where you know some results are surprising, some teams are depleted, um, and sometimes teams need three or four games really to get into the groove of things for this season. Obviously, Northern Hemisphere is they're tracking on a whole different schedule to the Southern Hemisphere, but that makes things interesting as well. Um, but yeah, for me, Fiji, I really enjoyed watching them. I always do. I think they'd be a great addition to the rugby championship in the next couple of years. Um, and just, yeah, the way they played direct, they backed themselves. They were very gritty in defence, contended rucks, and, you know, really got their hands on the ball whenever they could. Some good turnovers. And then, you know, flashy play, good ball handling. Um, they've got a lot of talent. And that's them, you know, not at full strength, like you mentioned. So, I think there's a lot to like about Fiji, a real contrast to the way that Tonga were defeated by the All Blacks the week before. So, yeah, it's great to see that they get another opportunity this coming week against the ABs again. Yeah, we really want to see another big match. Um, and it just highlights the argument that there really needs to be some work done around the scheduling of rugby internationally. So teams like Fiji, who really are pushing to get into the top tier um, are supported and so that they can get their best team on the park, give them some opportunity some weeks prior to actually get that team training together and combining, knowing that they're playing all over the world and make sure they're competitive because we're going to lock up these these hot, this tier one group and, and lock out the tier two group if we can't support them better with the scheduling at the very least. Um, other teams coming off a short run-up and, and starting a, a few new players and missing a few British and Irish Lions players were England, 70 points versus Canada, 14. Ireland, 71, put it to USA, 10. So big wins for them and, and a lot of um, a lot of other players not previously getting opportunities, getting their time to really thrash it out against weaker North American sides. The British Irish Lions have had a couple of games versus the Sharks and they've done them both times, as you would expect. So 71 points to 31 in the latest on Saturday night. Another strong performance from them. We're looking forward to hopefully seeing the full series play out. Obviously, there's a fair bit of uncertainty even day to day. They keep having a few cases here, there, uh, even between the, the Springboks team, the Lions team, people in the managerial group. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of hitting them from all angles. But so far, they've managed, haven't had to uh, spoil the tour just yet. Uh, we will jump into the Wallabies preview. So as we've already shadowed, there's there's been one change. Taniela Tupo is the starting tight head for the Wallabies this weekend. They've put Alatoa on the bench. No other changes. So we talked about whether the Wallabies should be using this one to two uh, fixture break being the longer break between games. Is that an opportunity to, to play the strongest side you've got and, and try and win out before the third game versus carrying some of those other players to the third game, giving them a good rest and bringing them in fresh. They've answered it for us. It looks like they're playing the same group and I assume it's their strongest healthy group they can afford to field. Yeah, I think so. And 
There's some faith being shown in players that perhaps didn't step up to the mark right away in game one. A few of them we've already talked about. I think that's smart. I think it's really harsh to drop players after one poor performance at the start of the season. You know, playing down in Melbourne is a factor, I think, as well. If they if they are to win this with a full-strength team, going back to Suncorp where we have a much better, you know, record overall in a game that's more of a dead rubber, then you can experiment and the pressure's off. So I think this game is really important. Taniela just did so much in that little cameo off the bench to show that he deserves his opportunity to be starting. Alalatoa wasn't bad, but I think that kind of mirrors his performances for the Brumbies this year. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been outstanding by any means. And so the amount of diversity that Taniela brings to the team in, in terms of, you know, at the scrum, his carries, like that, those, that line break he made was just incredible. Um, he's doing this on a consistent basis. We've seen he can play 80 minutes for the Reds. I want to see it for the Wallabies if he needs to do that. I'm sure he'll probably only play 50 or 60 minutes, and that's fine. Um, so people can talk about, oh, you know, I'm not sure I can bring the same level of, um, you know, impact starting in a test match. Well, I disagree. I think you can do that for 50 minutes and then Alada Toa can come in with his solid defence and presence on the field and, and close the game out. So I think it it does it works both ways. More minutes for me, for Taniel, the better. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I think Taniel is capable of playing the 80s, definitely done enough at super rugby level and he plays at such a high intensity that you'd have to say he's he's working hard those full 80 minutes. Alatar, interestingly, in 51 minutes, got through five of six tackles. So not, not as many as we've seen from him in these other games. Um, having said that, we did have a, a dominating amount of possession. So we probably didn't actually have that much time on defense to make some tackles. So the Wallabies take their strongest lineup in. They're building combinations. They're hoping that Jake Gordon lifts a bit. Certainly should be hoping that Rob Valentini uh, comes for a bit more depth and, and goes crunching into the line. Uh, the French team we haven't got at this point, so we can't really speak to them, but we imagine they'll look at this Wallabies lineup and they will be wanting to do the exact same uh, where they can. I don't believe we had any, we didn't have any horrible injuries or anything um, like so many games where we've seen guys either red carded and they're suspended or people getting badly injured and written out for the rest of the, the series. So that's a positive. Everyone's fit and healthy and, and backing it up again. Uh, what do you want to see in this game down in Melbourne? What do you want to see improved from the Wallabies? I think just control from the start of the game. Don't panic. Stick to your game plan and start fast. Like we need to be scoring points in the first 20 to really get some ascendancy. We've just looked so lost in the first game, and I'm sure that was butterflies across the board. I think people knew how important this game was to start well. We didn't do it. Important thing was we clawed our way back and it worked out in the end. Don't want that to come down to chance in the second game. We've got to start well, start fast, be aggressive. You know, if France are going to be physical, then we step up to that mark and we be just as physical, if not more. I think our cleanouts need to be way more accurate. If they're going to be lying all over the ball, you make it obvious to the referee they're doing it or you get rid of them. Um, I thought that we just didn't do that, enough of that. Slowed our ball down, made Jake Gordon's... Um, job a lot harder and yeah just it meant that our back line was kind of on the on the back foot really and no one needs front football 
if he's caught in the backfield with not much going on, that's when he looks lost, when things get static, and that's when we have problems. So we need front football. I think the forwards played really well. I actually want to mention Harry Wilson, I think, was outstanding in the first game. Um, he just continues to impress. He's everywhere. He plays 80 minutes. He never gives up. He's just one of – it's kind of, I think, a trend with those Reds players. They just have that never-say-die attitude, um, which I think Brad Thorne's instilled in them. Fraser McRide, I'd love to see in the 23. He's not there at the moment, but perhaps he'll get a, a run in game three if we get the victory in this one. Overall, I'm pretty confident in this second game, probably more than I was in the first game because I've seen what the French can offer now, and I think we're going to be smart enough to adapt um, and we've got some continuity there. We've got some cohesion starting to form in a very inexperienced team overall. So I think we have the right to be confident. We go in as pretty heavy favourites and we should get the job done by 10 points plus. I don't think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I think we should, based on what I've seen, we really should be coming out and taking the lead and holding the lead. This shouldn't be a close game, even if the French do pick up some points here and there. I feel like we should be scoring at a rate which doesn't put us at risk of um, being run down by the French. The way we played on Wednesday, we created some great opportunities. The, the initial um, try disallowed to Hunter Paisami because the pass from Jake was marginally forward. That was, you know, that, that came about a couple of, you know, tiny subtleties um, and, and lacks of, lacking of polish um, from our guys that's stuff that they can work on and fix up you know Jake was a bit um, slow out of the ruck Matt Phillip overran his line and took the line the, the deeper ball line um, out of out of play for Jake and then Hunter could only take it where it was given to him but we can create opportunities like that some of the, the kicking that Hunter's kick over to Andrew Kellaway I, I felt like it was the completely wrong option for the context um, at that point in the game to, to give up potentially possession it would have been amazing if it came off obviously but it felt high risk it felt like we we're on the front foot we'd made a break and we should have just been throwing it through the hands and keeping it close but those kind of plays we obviously have the skill set in our arsenal if we get out ahead then by all means preferably get penalty advantage first and then try pull those moves off but if you're playing with a 14 point lead and you're feeling comfortable and everyone's gelling uh, by all means, take those sort of shots. I think there's definitely more room to get guys like Banks and Tom Wright coming in on an angle. Not, that's not even mentioning Marika, who will come and take that angle uh, when he can get it. So heaps of exciting stuff um, when we're playing confidently and, and on the front foot, as you said. And that does come from the forwards. They need to be more clinical uh, at the breakdown. I think that that comes from the support runners or the guys around the ball. We we definitely looked a bit lost when we weren't going forward. The guys started milling around. We lost our structure as a line, and that meant when the ball came out, as it has to because the ref is there telling you use it, uh, it gets into a set of hands, a guy goes forward, and you don't have the guys around him to immediately clear out and create a clean platform and go again. So that's that just needs to become instinctive for all the guys that are getting into the 15 and the 23. They need to know the position and just... Um, you know, instinctively move into that position while keeping their eyes up, looking what's on the field and deciding where they're going to run, what what um, opportunities are in front. Definitely feels um, like we can come into this game and, and really blow the French away hard, particularly bringing Taniella in. Um, that just adds some of that oomph into the, into the first uh, 15 and I guess probably gives us a chance to dominate the scrum 
and be more clearly um, on the on the ascendancy there before Alatar even comes in, which I think is helpful too. Yeah, definitely. I was actually just about to say that I think set piece is so key in this game, and we actually did really well with that overall. I think in the first game, funnily enough. You know, some of our general play in the past has been good and then our set pieces let us down. I think it was almost the opposite in game one. Um, Taniela should start getting penalties in the first, you know, 20 minutes. It'll set the tone for the game. BPA was pretty solid with his lineouts last game, which is a nice change for him as well. And then our second roles, look, I think they have a lot more to give. Um, Matt Phillip. Although his, his work rate's great, I think some of his carries need to be a bit more effective. Lucan, similar. You know, he has on and off games. Needs to keep his body height down. We've talked about that many times. But I think the Ford pack is looking like it's got a pretty good balance to it. You've got the experience of Slipper on the loose head side, the firepower of Taniella, BPA looking pretty confident and um, consistent with his throws and great around the park. Back row, we're pretty happy with it. I think if Valentini improves... We're looking pretty sweet in that section of the, the Fords as well. So I think it's almost the inexperience in the backs a little bit that, that could be a threat to our success. But having said that, Matt Tamua back at Rebels home ground, look, this is his chance to show what he can do. Um, and I think he needs to because I think he won't be there long-term in this season if he doesn't start stepping up now. All right. Finally, I think the, the last guy is probably just Tom Max. I think he's a guy that really needs to start, you know, really stepping up to the mark. I think his second half was better in the first game, but some of the mistakes that he made, a little bit unforgivable at this level, at fullback, so key for the Wallabies. Tom Wright is a guy that's capable of playing fullback, I think, in the context of... Of the skills he has, I think he can offer a lot. Reese Hodge is waiting in the wings again, coming back from injury. There's a, going to be more competition for that fullback spot going forward. I'd love Tom Banks to lock that down in this game, score a couple of great tries. We know what he can do. We know the pace that he's got, but he just needs to, to execute on the day. Yeah, absolutely. I want, I want more designed runs for him coming in hard. Uh, inside off 10 or just off the nine, uh, really blazing through there on a, on a behind line. Like doesn't have to be a tricky behind the back flick pass or anything to get it to him. Just coming hard on that line, cutting in behind the rack and then make sure they've got support behind him. Like guys like um, Paisami, the loose forwards, Hooper, Harry Wilson should be trailing in there behind him and making sure he's got options to pass either side that they will, they will slice up any side if they can get the timing and, um, like the timing and, and the passing and and the actual, you know, pick your opportunities to do that. Make sure you've stretched um, stretched the French before you try it. Make sure there's a gap there. Otherwise, you'll just be running him into a wall and, and that's no good for anyone. Now, heaps to look forward to. Uh, it's only a day and a half, two days away, really. Uh, so um, plenty to see. And then, again, the only thing I'd, uh, I'd pose, I guess, to finish is if we do win this, and we won't get too far ahead of ourselves, but if the Wallabies can clinch the series, is the third game, by definition, it's a dead rubber for the series, but is it a game we can afford to lose? Are we? Uh, do we think Rennie would be focused on spreading the opportunity around, getting a few guys in, trying a few new combinations at the risk of dropping a game? Because these games still mean quite a lot in regard to world rankings um, and momentum and his own record. He, he wants to have a 
a solid record this season after only getting the one win last year. Um, it will be very interesting to see what what team they select for the third the third match if we do win this game and also if we don't win this game, I suppose. Yeah, and I think it depends. If he mixes the team up a lot and you see a completely changed 15 go out for the third game because we're up to nil in the in the series, then you can't yeah, really huge judge vote him of too confidence much in those other 15 guys. Then. It would be, and maybe long term that's going to be a lot more valuable. But then you've got the element of momentum going into the rugby championship and the blood is low. So do you want to change things too much? I think time's going to play a pretty heavy um you know, it's going to be a pretty heavy consideration for, for Rennie Tuesday night to Saturday night mm. after backing Three days up on a six-day break. Yeah, I think there's going to be a fair bit of rotation. Um, however, if we lose this second game, I think he'll just go all out again. I think he'll start his best team possible because we need to win this series. So it really depends on this result. We're assuming we'll get the win, but you can't assume anything with the Wallabies, honestly. We think we've got them worked out and then something they lose their head and then suddenly they're down by five with two minutes to go and you don't know what's going on. And on the flip side, they could do what they did to the All Blacks in Perth and come out and win by by 30 points, 40 points. So I hope it's the latter. I don't need the sort of the stress of how this the first game finished because that was, that was pretty tough because I was pretty confident going into that game and, and sitting there on that last line out, I just... I was pretty despondent. So thank God for Tate McDermott is all I can say. I've been saying it for ages. Not totally agree. Uh, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, hopefully no one's uh, ears are bleeding too hard without Archie here to run the show. I think we stayed mostly on track. Uh, for our socials, don't forget, you can keep up with the results of these games and particularly Wallabies-focused news and updates, Facebook and Instagram, Running Rugby Podcast, and on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Uh, game on Tuesday, be another pod uh, squeezed in somewhere there before the Saturday match. We'll get something out, talk about the result, and of course the selections, potential selections and outcomes for that third game. All very exciting. Can't wait to get another game. Hopefully, a few few more hairs left after this one than the last one. Have a good weekend, everyone, and uh, don't forget, keep on running. Run. <laughs>